It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Dara Thomason is the weight and life coach for quilters. She is an elementary school teacher turned long arm quilter and now a life coach specializing in weight loss. You will find Dara spending a lot of her day helping fellow quilters to lose weight and create more joy in their lives as she uses her life coaching skills to help them. Not only does Dara liberate your free motion quilting skills, but liberates your mind to create what you truly want. Dara, I'm so glad you joined me today. Thanks. So much fun to be here. Let's start with where were you born and raised? Well, I was born in our national capital in Canada. So it's Ottawa. My dad worked in the government. And so when you work in the government, you kind of are there for a little bit and then people get voted and then you move somewhere else and then you come back. So that's happened to me. So I was born there and then we moved back to Alberta, lived there for about seven years. And then we moved back to Ottawa. And a few years later, we moved down to Niagara-on-the-Lake, which is just right on the Canadian-American border, Niagara Falls. And it was there till high school. And then I was able to go to university in back in Alberta. And then I lived in France for 18 months. And then I started teaching school. And I taught school for almost 10 years. And then I had my children and then I became a professional quilter and the rest is history. (laughs) Do you have a special childhood memory? Yeah, I have so many. So I have three brothers and two sisters and I'm in the middle of that. I was a really good girl and I didn't cause her any trouble, but I was always making messes. I was always having paper and scissors and creating things. And then I would play with the fabric and I would wrap things around dolls and try to sew. And I made my first pair of shorts when I was in grade six. So my mom said she always knew where I was going because trail of paper or fabric or, or something. So I actually really love that about me that I've always been a creative person and I've always loved using my imagination and having a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that's a really good description of me. And like I said, I made my first pair of shorts when I was in grade six. And I just started making skirts and dresses. And I've been made my first quilt when I was 19. And so that's been a fun identity for me, apparently my whole life. (laughs) You said two sisters and three brothers two sisters and three brothers. And we all start with the same letter. And my parents also have the same letter. So there's eight of us, all D's. Anytime there was a letter for D, oh, my maiden name is Bowie. I was like, oh, I've got mail. (laughs) So there's eight D Bowies living in that house. (laughs) Wow. Besides your quilting business that you have now, did you have other employment? After college? Yeah. So after university, I lived in France for a year and a half. And then I came back and I started teaching school. So I loved teaching. It was so much fun. I taught mostly grade five and six. 
So creative writing, like really nurturing a lot of creativity with my students was one of my favorite things to do. And so after I was pregnant with my third child and teaching, I said to my husband, okay, that's it. I'm not teaching for a long time. I started sewing since I was young and I made my first quilt when I was 19. And so when I had my fourth child, I bought a long arm for $5,000. It was just one of those things on a whim. And I found it in a marketplace and I bought it and I was having so much fun. But my kids, they would notice that I would quilt really late and they'd wake me up in the morning. Mom, mom, we got to wake up. We got to go to school. So I realized, okay, this is not a good thing. <laughs> so I sold the long arm and I had another baby. So that baby, when he turned two, I thought, you know what? I really miss my creativity outlet, all of that. So in order to buy another long arm, I actually started teaching at a quilt shop. So I started teaching how to piece quilts. And the interesting thing about that was when I made the samples of the quilts that I designed, I learned how to free motion quilt and I practiced and practiced and practiced. And the ladies that took my class wanted me to quilt their finished quilt tops the same way as I had quilted the sample. And so I actually started quilting for people on my domestic brother 1500. I thought, well, I guess if I could quilt it at my kitchen table for myself, I could quilt it for them also. And so that's actually what started happening was I started quilting for people on the domestic machine. And then I was able to start making enough money to put towards a long arm. And I started out with a kind of a smaller long arm a gamel uh, 18 inch throat. I'm actually six feet tall. So I do actually have long arms. <laughs> and so the 18 inch just like stifled my creativity. So then I was able to do enough quilts and have enough proof of concept that I could keep busy quilting. And so I was able to invest in a big 14 foot, 26 inch computerized gamel. And so I did that for many years. And now that I'm a life coach, I'm helping other people. I don't have time to quilt for hire. I do take the occasional special ones for some special occasions. But yeah, now I work 40 hours a week helping quilters lose weight and create more joy. So that's kind of been my progression of employment. And then in between, I taught across Canada, teaching quilting and in the States. And then I was helping long armors build their business. So I even have a long arm business online course that people can take, which is really, really awesome. But now I focus more on the weight loss, which by the way, <laughs> weight loss is never about the food. It's all about the mind thing. So we can talk about that a little bit later. Okay. That sounds so interesting. Yeah. Looking forward to getting to that. We kind of covered where you live now and how did you get there? I live on Vancouver Island. So it is the Florida of Canada. So if you look at the Canadian map, we are the most west that you can go. And a lot of our island actually is, uh, not a lot, the whole southern tip is actually in the American border, like 54th parallel. And so it is a beautiful place. You could ski and surf on the same day here. <laughs> My husband's employment brought us here. So we have taken up mountain biking, surfing, all sorts of things. It's been really, really fun. Neat. Now, have all of your kids been born there or were you in different places? My two oldest were born in Calgary, Canada, and then we were in 
Alberta, the small town, Alberta, my two boys. And then my last son was born in Ontario. And so I have five children, four boys and one girl. And my oldest is 18 and he just moved out. He's serving a mission for our church. And my youngest is nine. Wow. So besides quilting, what other crafts do you do or have you done? Well, I really love decorating houses. And my husband and I have, I think we've lived in nine houses in our 20 years of marriage. And so decorating and painting, and we like to do a lot of hiking. And I always say, we always need to leave the trail better than we found it. And so I feel like the same thing for our houses. We've always found houses in great locations, but the houses usually need a lot of work. So we have spent a lot of time renovating, painting, doing all those things. And that's been actually really satisfying and a lot of fun. Another thing I love to do is, well, I used to be a runner. So I spent a lot of time running and I'm just starting to, just starting again to do that. And so that's fun for me to be outside and to have that. But it's funny because I've said to my clients, you don't have to exercise or count calories to lose the weight. And so I thought, oh, exercising is a whole new story for me because it's something I want to do. I want to move my body. I really like how it feels. In the past, it was more of a, almost like a punishment, like let's get this extra fat off. So that's been an interesting transition for me. Yeah. The next one is other hobbies, but the running's kind of other hobbies. Is there anything else? Well, the other thing I do, I spend a lot of time in is obviously hanging out with my kids, training my kids to be good adults. I do volunteer at my church that takes up quite a bit of my time. I also spend a lot of time with my brain. So reading and thinking and doing that is something that I'm really enjoying having more time doing for myself. Yeah. Like there's just stacks of books around books and fabric, lots of stacks around here. (laughs) (laughs) And just even quilting, like quilting is obviously, you know, piecing actually, I don't piece as much as I used to. I have piecing fairies. One of my favorite things to do is put on a podcast or some music. I have quite a few unfinished quilt tops and just giving myself permission to just play on my long arm. And that is something that it's like a treat for me. And then giving quilts away also is a lot of fun. It's almost like a hobby as well. And it takes time, right? It takes time to put it all together, quilt it, bind it. But I find that that's something I I spend a lot of time doing and have a lot of fun with. Yeah. Giving them away is almost the funnest part of making the quilt. Totally. Do you think some of those hobbies that you have show up in your quilting? Yeah, I think, well, I think that like hobbies are ways to enrich ourselves, to become a better version of ourselves. And so I think that when we can have that well balance, that balance that that just makes us such as a happier person. Uh, One of the things I did want to mention is, and I'm actually doing this a little bit of a self-promotion in a way. So one of the things I do is I give quilts to officers, families who have, an officer has passed away. 
And I've actually given three quilts in the last two weeks. There was two police dogs in Canada that were killed. And so we sent those. And in fact, on Sunday, I was actually able to hand deliver a quilt to the family. And so I actually do need blocks. So if you go to Crafty Cop or Heritage Threads, she has a really great tutorial on making a raspberry kiss block. They need to be finished 12 and a half inches finished. So (laughs) thank you, Paula, for letting me. (laughs) I only have two quilts left that need to be quilted and I have enough blocks for one full quilt. So if anyone does want to send those to me, you can direct message me and I'd be more than happy to give you my email. And if anyone wants to actually just make a whole quilt top and send it to me, I provide all the batting. And also if people want to bring me backings, then I'd appreciate that. I do have a quilt fairy here who does all the bindings for me. She's a retired nurse. So that really helps. Wow. Tell me about who introduced you to quilting. Mm. This is where I start getting a little emotional. My grandmas, both of their parents brought them to Alberta. So Alberta became a province in 1905. And so, you know, their parents wanted a new life, very similar, you know, pioneer traditional story. So they lived very rural and they didn't have a lot. And so my great grandmas just made beautiful things with scraps, right? Old clothes, all of that. And so my grandmas did the same thing. And my grandmas did sewing bees and quilting bees. And they literally built their communities. My great grandpa like basically founded the one town that my grandma lived in. And he was the mayor for, I think my mom said 47 years. They like built curling rinks and baseball diamonds and did all these amazing things. So just this idea of coming together, people had babies that they would get together. People got married, they got together. That really resonated with me. And so even when I was a school teacher, I was single, anyone was getting married. I like put a quilt together. I didn't have my free motion quilting skills yet, but I was really good at tying quilts. And so I would tie them a quilt and it was just really important to me that I carry on that tradition. And so it's been really fun as I progress in my quilting abilities that I can improve so much more. And it's really fun for me to think about my grandma's looking at the beautiful quilts that I've quilted. I just know that they're like, you are amazing. You're so talented. And it's really fun for me. Recently, I did a a king size whole cloth quilt. I'd never done that before. And I really love feathers. I think that they're just so much fun. And it was literally just one side was a sheet that I got at the thrift store. And the other one was a cone of cotton gray. And I put it on there when I used yellow thread as my highlight. And the whole time I was quilting it, I thought, look what I'm doing. I am transforming something so simple, like a thrift store sheet and making it so beautiful. And that's what they did. And I just feel really proud of myself to continue that tradition. Obviously, you can hear I'm a little bit emotional. I'm trying to choke it back. But they really did create a legacy. And I love the other part about it 
that makes me so happy is that they knew how to build community. And I think one of the reasons I love quilting so much and why I'm really glad that I can be on your podcast is that I love quilters. I love being a quilter. I do not look like I am a quilter. I am like six feet tall, like all the things. And people say, you're a quilter. I'm like, yes, dang proud of it. I just love it all. So that's a legacy of not only of being so creative and being able to make something so beautiful, but also like the community that we have as quilters, it's just so much fun because we instantly have a connection and it just makes us like we all have a spot in the world. And that's one of the wonderful spots that I fall into is this whole quilting place. Oh, neat. It seems like you had a special relationship with both of your grandmothers. Did you get to spend much time with them? Well, that's interesting questions. My one grandma, she was a lot of fun. She would put a popcorn maker, an air popcorn maker in the middle of a room, take the lid off, and we would have to catch the popcorn before it fell on the ground. She died when I was seven. So it made me really sad. She was an amazing seamstress. My cousin told me my grandma made her wedding dress and her going away outfit, and she couldn't keep up with the ironing. My grandma was so fast. And so part of me creating this way is a way to connect to her. So I've always felt like she like blessed my sewing. And I think that's another reason why when I was a little girl, I was like, I'm going to be like my grandma Mary. I'm going to do all these things. And of course, I inherited some of her buttons and her snaps. She used to make cowboy shirts. My grandpa was a cowboy. And so I would play with the press snap. But my grandma Hazel... She was amazing. She lived till she was like 93 and she taught me how to crochet. I have a lot of her old, actually all of her DMC threads, all of that. So I was really connected to my grandma Hazel and I was really grateful that she was able to be in my life. And I have quilts from both of them and my kids snuggle in those to this day. So cool. Uh-huh. Do you have a favorite quilt? Um, no, <laughs> I do not. But when you said that, it was interesting because I just kind of, my mind just like went through quilts. But I do have a quilt. My great-grandma Sarah made a granny's flower garden quilt and my sister took it and she won't give it to me. So I decided, well, I can make my own. So when I was pregnant with my fourth, I hand-pieced a queen-size granny's flower garden quilt. And the three girls in my family, my sisters, we only have one daughter each. And so I am going, so my one, my sister's daughter has the quilt from great-grandma Sarah. So now my daughter will have this one and then I will make one for my, my sister's daughter. <laughs> and I have the start of it and they're all cut out. So She's only 16, 17. She just turned 17. So I have a few more years, most likely, before she gets married. So <laughs> fun legacy quilt that all those girls will have. So neat. So your sister didn't want to learn how to do it herself, huh? They have lots of other talents, for sure. <laughs> they let me have a quilting one for my own to shine. <laughs> Describe your favorite tool. Oh, definitely the long arm. You know, when you watch an athlete, it's just like 
magic when you watch them. That's kind of how I feel like when I'm on the long arm. Yeah. It's just a place for me just to, I've never felt that kind of creativity before. And just giving myself that kind of play and fun. So that's definitely where I just am so happy. That is so neat. How about a favorite part of the quilting process? Or do you like, well, you said you have some quilting fairies. So I'm assuming you have a favorite part. Yeah, definitely. I'm kind of one-sided on this thing. So obviously the free motion quilting part is my favorite, but I do really enjoy the idea of pulling all the fabrics together, playing with ideas. I don't really read patterns very often. I pretty much always just make up my own thing. So that giving myself permission to just play. I love being able to have the foundation of the quilt. I know the basics. I know about squaring up. I know about quarter inch seam. I know all those things. And I love then creating my own design. It's very empowering. And I usually let someone else piece it and then I go ahead and quilt it. (laughs) But I do piece sometimes. But I just want people to know it's okay not to have to love doing things. And it's okay to outsource certain things too, if you want. It's no big deal. Mm -hmm. But I do a lot of swapping. So people will piece for me and then I'll quilt their quilt and we'll do it lots of exchanges. <laughs> That's a great way to do it. Use your strengths. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about your worst quilting experience. I would have to say I wasn't very good at the computer. And that's why I sold my Statler because I had pretty much no interest in using the computer, but I felt like Some people really wanted that. And so I had a client and she wanted this one design and I bought it and I went for it and it wasn't working. So I had to unpick the quilt and I tried again and it didn't work. And so I had to unpick it the second time. And when I was unpicking it the second time, I actually slit the fabric in her quilt and I was about to die. And so I kept on picking. I actually unpicked the entire square and I was going to phone her to see about if she had another piece of that fabric so I could repiece that block and then I would, you know, reinsert that onto the quilt. And I just said a prayer and I went into my stash. It was a quilting miracle. I had the exact tone on tone fabric in my own stash, exactly the same. So I was able to cut it out, repiece the block, reinsert it into the quilt, press the quilt. And then I was able to get the help that I needed to finish doing that design. But yeah, that was, that was a nightmare. I would think so. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So what has drawn you to quilting rather than using your time on other hobbies or crafts? Well, I think it's a combination of, it's a place where I, I shine. I really do. And I thought in my mind, if someone has a baby or someone gets married, they need to have a quilt. 
And so tying a quilt was fine, but it was not as exciting for me. And so I started doing free motion quilting and I was really good with my quilting foot. But when I had a baby girl, my second child, I thought she doesn't want straight lines. She wants pretty flowers and things. I'm such an independent person that I didn't like other people doing things for me. And because I'm six feet tall, even I like to make my own clothes because finding things long enough and all of that was just so challenging. So I actually really loved that I dedicated myself to learning and growing. And it's something that I can do well now. And I was able to help other people. I have two books. My second book is actually coming out in September called Doodle School. It also has a companionship workbook. Yeah, I think to answer your question, quilting is really also kind of a lifestyle for me as far as who do I want to be in the world? And so when my husband's coworkers have babies and our friends have babies, like my daughter just went to Alberta and our friends had a baby. I was like, okay, you got to bring a quilt. Which one do you think he'd like? And then she sent pictures of previous quilts that I'd made for her. And I just thought, that's who I want to be in this world. So that's what I do. Nice. I think you just answered the who do you make them for. Yeah. <laughs> so what project are you working on right now? Well, right now because I don't have my long arm here yet. I do have one of my business coaches. She got married. And so I'm piecing a pineapple quilt for her. So that's fun for me to work on. But right now my business is growing so much that I am focusing so much on building. I have a pop-up group. I have two different group offerings that I have. And so I've been using a lot of creativity. And in fact, I just wrote a four-day program, all based on the instruction manual of a sewing machine. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that's going to be really fun. I'm comparing the a manual that we have for a sewing machine for how we're not getting the results in our life that we want. And so I'm paralleling it to the instruction manual for a sewing machine to our bodies and our relationships with ourselves. So I have a lot of fun being creative, being the life coach for quilters. A lot of, of fun playtime and creativity and what we can relate to. That's so exciting. I keep wanting to jump there. <laughs> so just before we get to your business of being a life coach for quilters, can you give me a quilting tip? Yes. I think the biggest quilting tip is just go for it. Like, don't let fear hold you back. For years, I didn't know what squaring up a quilt meant. And I made quilts for people. Did they work? Yes. Were they amazing? Well, if they were going to Paducah, no. We just have to start somewhere. And I really want to encourage all of you to remember that growth is supposed to be kind of messy. It's supposed to be trial and error. That is how it works. Like if we didn't fall when we are learning how to walk, every time you fell, you built the muscle in your legs so they could be stronger so they could walk. So every time you make a quilt, you're always going to learn at least one new thing. And isn't that fun? 
It's so fun. I have a quilt on my daughter's bed. It was my very first attempt doing a queen size quilt on a domestic machine. And I was trying to do like flowy, pretty flower things. And it's terrible. And for years, my daughter would say, should we get it at the Stitch Ripper? And we should go watch some movies and unpick it all. Because it used to really bother me. And it's such a beautiful design. And I love the fabric. Even though there was part of me that wanted to do that, I have written the 12-step perfection recovery program. I am proud that I was that person that tried it at that time. And I learned a lot about myself. And so just go for it. What a great tip. Thanks. Tell me about how you went from having your quilting business to becoming a life coach for quilters? Such a good question. So back in May, yeah, May 2019, UQSM, it's the International Quilting Show in Utah. One of their instructors broke her back. And so the last minute they were kind of scrambling, not sure what to do. And so I saw that this was happening. So I reached out to them and I just said, hey, I probably could do all those classes. I'm really good. And I had met uh, Gina Barney through previous quilting things. So that was on a Monday and the show was starting on Thursday. And so she said, okay, let's do it. So I found myself on an airplane Tuesday morning. I think it was a 16 hour. I left at six in the morning from Nanaimo. I didn't get to Utah and I rent a car till like midnight. So the year prior to that, I had found a life coach and she had taught me a lot of these skills. I was heavier than I'd ever been. We had a relocation to this beautiful island, but it wasn't what I'd wanted. And so I just started using the tools. And so I was losing weight. My business was building like crazy. I was doing all sorts of amazing things. So when I was there, I taught all these classes, super fun. And one of the classes I taught was how to build a long-term business. And it was such a hit. I ended up meeting my life coach in person when I was on that trip. And she said, Dara, I've never seen anyone make so much progress in such a short time. Like you should be a life coach. And I said, no, 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 I'm a quilter. But I thought, well, I could teach long armors how to build a business. So that's what I did. I had an online class for long armors. I think I had 12 ladies sign up and I offered one-on-one business coaching. And I had several ladies take me up on the one-on-one offer. So when I offered the one-on-one coaching after my group, several of them took me up on it. And most of them wanted weight loss because they had been watching me lose this weight. And... I thought, you know, there's a lot of women out there who really struggle and they don't understand that weight loss is not actually about the food. It's about what's going on in our brains and the way we think about ourselves. And so it was a really difficult choice for me to not do the business coaching any longer and to focus on the weight loss. And so I made that decision and Sometimes we end up doing some business coaching every once in a while, but I do not regret what I've done because I have helped women. My biggest loser (laughs) at 90 pounds, which is basically the same size as my nine-year-old. 
And her life is completely different. She totally changed productivity, her happiness, her joy. Her husband keeps saying, do we need to give Dara some more money? (laughs) Because he's just like, he has his wife again. And a lot of my ladies have lost, you know, 50, 40, but even those who have lost 20 pounds, it's made such a difference because they trust themselves now and they have a new way of looking at themselves. And there are even some women that hire me and join my programs who don't have a lot of physical weight to lose, but the mental weight has been unrecognizable. They have changed so dramatically because now understand why they were getting the results in their life that they were getting. And now they're empowered to change those results and start creating a life that they've they actually frankly gave up on. And so now they're actually dreaming again and they're making their dreams come true. And it is the most fun sitting in this seat and being able to watch all of these transformations as they continue to do so. It was so neat to look on your website and see how many people you've helped. That number was so big for just a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, super fun. So what is the name of your business and how did you come up with it? My website is daratomason.com, but my program that I teach, it's a 12-week program and it's called Love Yourself Thin. And I'll just step back just a moment. So when we moved here and I had gained this extra weight and I got the life coach and she started to teach me to be more aware of the things and taught me the tools and I started applying them. I lost 30 pounds from August, 2018 to May of 2019. And I was thrilled. I was six pounds heavier than I was when I was married. And I felt like a million bucks. I just felt amazing. And I was so grateful. And I didn't even think about, I was like, I don't need to be my wedding weight. This is an amazing weight. I've had five amazing children. And it was very interesting to watch because from May until December, I lost 20 pounds without even thinking about it. I literally was just loving my life, loving who I'd become, loving serving, loving helping people, loving teaching. I was flying across Canada, doing all these demos for long arm shows and craft shows and things. And it was so interesting for me because at Christmas, I was like, how, what? This is how much I weigh? Like it dawned on me that when I truly love myself and take care of myself, my body will get to that ideal weight. I didn't even know what my ideal weight was. So when I teach my clients the same process of when we are really kind to ourselves and we are really gentle and compassionate and loving, how do we treat ourselves? And so we're not having to turn to the food. We're not having the anger eats. You know, we're not spending more money than we had planned. We're not acting out that way because we have nothing to buffer from because we can embrace all the challenges. We're not afraid of emotions anymore. So it's just been a really interesting process to watch how other women are taking on this concept. I mean, when I explain it, it makes sense. It's like, of course, that's how it should be. 
But diet diet companies, you know, all these multi-billion dollar, they don't want you to know that. They want you to keep buying all their stuff and being dependent on them. I do sound a little bit like a conspiracy theorist right now, but (laughs) that's okay. Because that's what's happening. And I actually have a YouTube channel and I have a free training about being sold a bill of goods. And there's a lot of us who have felt like we have been sold a bill of goods. And there has been mixed messages of actual nutrition. And because did you know that weight loss science is actually simple? But they don't want us to know that. So that's the very first thing I teach is that weight loss science is simple. I help women create their own protocols. They're in charge of their own food. They don't tell me what they're eating. I just teach them the process of accountability and all of those things. And so, yeah, they can lose 20, 30, 40, 50, 80, 90 pounds. And I have no clue what they're eating every day. Isn't that fun? Oh, that's great. I did find your books online through the CNT Publishing. Mm-hmm. Now, your first one was Walk, Jog, Run, a Free Motion Quilting Workout. Mm-hmm. How did that fit in? You, you just mentioned that about the exercise we talked about. Yeah. So when you learn to run, you have to learn to walk first. And then you increase how much you walk. And then, sorry, you jog. You segment it. So you can walk for five minutes and you jog for a minute. And then you walk for five and you jog. And then the next day you would walk for four minutes and you jog for two minutes. And so you kind of increase your ability your stamina to do so. And it's the same thing with free motion quilting. And so in the book, I literally have workouts for you. So when I used to swim, my husband would write me little workouts, like do, you know, 400 meters, like four 100 meters of this stroke and everything. It's the same thing for the book. So for example, get out a piece of paper, draw these things for 30 seconds. Don't pick up your pen. So it just walks you through lots of different workouts so that it can, you can build your stamina that you can have that ability to make all of the stitches. Oh, neat. Share with me how you felt when your book came on market and somebody bought your book. Yeah, that was really fun to see my name in Amazon was so much fun. I have a funny story. One of my clients, she has three children and all of her children bought her my book for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) So she was so funny because she said to me, I'm sorry, I'm returning two of these books. I don't think I need three of your books. So that was kind of fun. (laughs) Uh, Nothing like lack of communication. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to share with me? Yeah. So one of the things that I love to communicate to everyone that I talk to is our brains are our best investment. And I think that what's happening right now in this world, uh, especially we're coming out of COVID, I think one of the things that happened during COVID was a lot of our excuses, a lot of our kind of buffers to life were taken away. And of course, we always had the internet. You could always keep online shopping. But it's been really interesting to watch how 
when our regular routines and those things were taken away, how we reacted to that. And so when I say our brain is our best investment, what I really am talking about is that when we can understand why we do the things we do, we understand why we're getting the results that we're getting. But if we keep hiding from ourselves, if we spend a lot of time on social media and doing a lot of online shopping or watching YouTube videos endlessly, you know, if we're not having that balance of consumption and production, really being in that productive space in our life, whether it's creating with our hands, whether it's using the knowledge that we have, we're really off balance. And so if any of you who are listening to this podcast, you're feeling like your life isn't balanced, I always want to let you know that change doesn't take very long. Even with the tools that I have, just like when you change a rotary blade, how often have you done that where you're you're like, oh, I got to get this thing cut out. I got to do this. And you're like, oh, my arm is really sore. And then finally you stop and you go change the rotary blade and you're like, why did I wait so long? It's so much easier. So I always want to let people know that even though you are 50 or 60 or 70, change doesn't actually have to take very long. And when you have the proper tools, it can be very, it actually can be like not even painful. So that is something I do want to put out there is that change can happen easily. We can ditch old habits because you're the one who created it. So if you realize why you did that and where it was coming from, the best news is you can change it and it can be so much better. That's something I feel like everyone needs to know that it's totally possible to change no matter how old you are. My oldest client is 84. I think she lost 24 pounds in my program and she's been able to keep it off. She did the three month program. And she has a husband that suffers from dementia and Alzheimer's. She's caregiving for him. And she has changed so many things in her life because she's dedicated to the tools. Wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing with me. I so appreciate it. Yeah, it's been so much fun meeting with you, Paula. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.